Computer, initialize Holosuite. Good evening and welcome to another episode of The Fire Caves, a Star Trek Deep Space Nine podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Perry. And I'm your host, David. Tonight we're talking about Season 2, Episode 9, Second Sight. Before we continue, you can find us on Twitter, Facebook, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts as The Fire Caves, a Star Trek Deep Space Nine podcast. Absolutely. And as I say every week, you should find us because we are funny and awesome. Um, This week... On Twitter, we did fray a little bit into politics, but um, I promise I only put the smallest of toes into that water, and then I immediately directed back to Trek because I try my best not to involve us, our show, in real-world politics too much. We can make commentaries, but we're not going to endorse anybody or any of that kind of stuff, okay? We might tell you, like, historically what's going on, but that's about it. I try my best not to be like, well, I think so-and-so is this or that. No. But uh, got a little... (laughs) Things things have popped up lately that got a little hard to uh, separate, so I just kind of did my best to avoid it. Um, But other than that, yes, we have a good time. Either way, we have a good time. Blarg for president. Blarg for president. Flying spaghetti monster, right? Yeah. Supposed to be? But anyway, (laughs) um, (laughs) we're not here for any of that either, other than to say find us and follow us, because, again, we're pretty awesome. We have a good time on the various social medias. Um, But we're here to talk about Deep Space Nine. But before we do, before we get too deep into our favorite show... um, David, how have you been this week? I've been good. Um, again, nothing much big going on for me, but uh, I've been reading A Tale of Two Cities for the first time, oh, nice. which has been pretty good. Um, I have a compendium of five Charles Dickens novels, so it's you know one big tome. It's a thousand pages long with five stories, and one of them is Christmas Carol, and I read that at Christmas this past year. It was interesting because... When I was in college, as I've said before, I was in theater, and we did a production of A Christmas Carol, and I was not aware of how closely our production was to the text of the actual uh, story. Like, the line-for-line storytelling um, was, was what we did for the, for the production, which was great, because it, it really meant that we were really holding close to what the story was in that production. Nice. Uh, and then I've, I, I've been aware of A Tale of Two Cities, so, like, everyone knows the famous line, it was the best of times, it was the worst of times. Mm-hmm. Um, and as a kid, I did read, I don't know if you were, remember these, Perry, the great illustrated classics. They were books that were meant for kids, and on one page had text, and one page had a picture. Mm-hmm. And so I read A Tale of Two Cities as, like, a fourth grader, once upon a time. Right. Um, and I vaguely, like, the main thing I remember is what happens at the very, very end. Um, which I don't know if anyone wants it to be ruined. Perry, do you know the story? Do you know the final twist that happens right Unfortunately, there? Unfortunately, the I don't. I don't think I've ever read a tale of two cities. It's not one that comes up okay. when, I, when I'm thinking about it right now. It's not one that I remember. Right. So okay. go ahead. I won't, I won't ruin it for you. Okay. It's a great story. 
Um, it takes place over the course of like 20 years from the first section to the end. Uh, but anyway, uh, I just remember the final scene, what, what the final conclusion is, the, the final last bit that happens. I, I remember that part, and that's like all I remembered. Now, of course, I was reading a highly condensed version yeah. of that story um, as a kid. So now reading it in the full text, you know, it's always fun to read books that are written in a language that, you know, even it's, it's English, but like in a, in a style that's very different than our own. Like you have to look up words. I've been reading spark notes as I've been reading the, the book, just like have yeah. someone's commentary. Uh, what did I miss anything? Um, which has been good just to have a secondary uh, companion. But part of the reason I'm, I'm bringing up that I'm reading it is because you and I love the Count of Monte Cristo. Yes. Um, and so I yes. fully, I you read it again about two, three years ago. We were talking about it. I remember reading was um, that an two abridged years ago? version. I thought that was this. Was that two years ago? No, maybe it was. Maybe it was just a year it, ago. It, it, yeah, I was gonna say that was last year. That last was last year. year. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, I know we've been doing this show now for not quite a year, so I guess it was yeah. about a year and a half compared. Anyway. So anyway, I was thinking as I've been reading this that like a, the Count of Monte Cristo takes place after the French Revolution, whereas the Tale of Two Cities takes place before and during the French Revolution. So I want to go and read a, the Count of Monte Cristo right afterward oh, as nice. like a as like a follow up because yeah. they're both set like right after each other in terms of uh, historical fiction. Um, and then I've also I think people might remember way back during our. We were reviewing the first season. I was talking about um, reading a book about the the Marquis de Lafayette, who mm-hmm. was a um, he was a French aristocrat who came to America and fought in the American Revolution, but then went to France and actually was a part of the French Revolution. But he was never in favor of all the excesses that took place. You know how the, the reign of terror and all that. He was trying to be a moderate but a revolutionary voice. So I, I'm just enjoying reading this fictionalized version of that history right now. Um, but that's that's me right now, just reading reading a book. How about you? What's going on with you? Well, this week was busier than I anticipated. Oh. Um, started right off the bat last Monday um, with a, a, a dental appointment to have my teeth cleaned. You know, I, I had missed my last one, and I knew that they were going to get on me about, you know, you should always you know stay up on it or whatever. <laughs> So I go, and of course, like I said, they kind of read me the riot act on how important it is to stay <laughs> up on your cleanings and everything else. And then this was like, I and I, I guess it was more more important than I realized because the last cleaning that they did, I guess they hadn't done like the deep cleaning or whatever. And okay. so they were like, we were going to do it in stages. And I was like, okay, I've never heard of that. Normally I just go, you know, do it and whatever. But so because, so now it made it basically to where like, Instead of it being every six months that I had my teeth cleaned, it was right. now like a year and a half since my bottom teeth had been deep cleaned. Right. So they were like, now we're going to have to do this whole other thing. And I was like, okay, well, no one told me and I forgot. <laughs> so whatever. Right. right so right. going into doing this, they, um, you know, they, 
do your whole blood pressure and everything else. And apparently my blood pressure was too elevated for them to do the procedure. Do the oh, and I was gosh. like, it's elevated because you guys are annoying me. Like you, <laughs> you, you berated me for 45 uh, minutes before you even did the blood pressure. Right. Like I've been sitting yeah. here. I was fine. Right. And now, and, and so like they took my blood pressure like three different times. They were like, no, it's still too high. We can't do it. And they gave me the sheet and they were like, you really should go see a doctor. Cause you could be hypertensive. I'm like, I'm not hypertensive. I'm pissed off. Like there's a difference. <laughs> So you'll notice that it gets worse every time you do it. Right. And it, and it really was like it escalated every time I did it. They did it three times and every time it was right. higher than the last time. Yeah, so, right. you know, they were like, no, you really got to go to the doctor and you have to have the doctor sign off. And they gave me this form and everything else. So Tuesday I went to my doctor and I told them what happened. And the doctor was kind of just chuckling at me and everything. Right. And I was like, I know that my blood pressure was elevated or whatever. I said, but I'm fine. Like I work out, I, I do all this stuff. And I said, I'm, I'm used to it. And I said, and I think I also drank my pre-workout because I had planned on going to the dentist and then going to the gym afterwards. Right. And I said, so I think that also might've been contributing to my blood pressure being high, but you know, whatever. Um, so the doctor's just kind of laughing or whatever. And he takes my blood pressure a couple of times and he's like, well, it is a little bit high, but it's not concerning yet. And he's just like, I don't want to put you on anything. I'll sign your form and I'll, you know, they can go and, you know, do your cleaning or whatever. He goes, just right. make sure next time one, don't drink or eat anything before you go to the dentist. And then two, he was like, just calm down. Like, don't let them upset you. He's like, I can't <laughs> believe. And I was like, it's, I said, no doc, you have to understand. And so like, I'm now in the doctor's office explaining to him. And for anybody who knows me, especially when I feel that I'm personally right and you're wrong, it, it, it does something to me. I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. Like I just become that much more amped up. Right. So that yeah. was, that was Tuesday. Right. Then Wednesday, I started not feeling too well. And so oh, no. I was just like, <laughs> what's going on? I've just been to the doctor. I know I'm not sick. I know I don't have COVID or whatever, but I, it, it was, it was fine enough that I could push through work. And so then after work, I took one of the home COVID tests just to be sure it right. came back negative, but then Thursday, I felt even worse, and I was just like, I was coughing a lot, I couldn't stay warm, my hands were mm. cold, I was sneezing yeah. and stuff everywhere, and I was like, uh, okay, you know, and I'm like, trying my best to not give in to the urge to Google everything, you know, yeah. and then Friday was the worst because I hadn't slept all night and I had taken my temperature a couple of times, had a fever, all the stuff. And I was like, man, I'm really sick. Did another COVID home test, still said negative, And I'm thinking, you know what this is? It's because you've been getting up early. You're going out. The weather keeps changing rapidly. You're in and out, back and forth. And you haven't been doing that in the past two years. Right. You know? And I was like, that's probably what it is. You got exposed to something and your body was trying to adjust and now you, you're sick, right? Yeah. So, so that was Friday. And then I took a bunch of medicine and finally was able to go to sleep only to be woken up Saturday morning because I had missed a important appointment. I'm not going to go right. any more into that than, than that. There was a, yeah. a, an important thing I was supposed to be at at 9 o'clock. And... I didn't get the phone call until 
five-ish. And so now I was upset because not only had I missed it, but the person was calling me well after the time. So there was no way I could get up there to make it up or to be even partially on time. And I was like, why didn't anybody call to give like a reminder saying, hey, we're on our way up there, you know, at 8.30, 8.45, something. So I could have maybe scrambled and made it. And, And it was so funny because like after I after I kind of exploded a little bit in that whole exchange, I was thinking to myself, there goes your blood pressure. Your, your blood pressure is going up again. You're, you're going you're gonna to fail. You're going to test. So all of that was, again, like that's just a shot for shot. Every single day there was a little something else that kind of ticked into this, um, me being amped up more than normal. Um, right. I, And then finally I was just like, I can't wait for Sunday. Because Star Trek, I think, is my therapy. So I get to come and talk about this show and feel good for at least an hour while we do this. And then right. we gear it up for next week. So here we are. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I remember you called me right after that happened on Saturday. And you were like, oh, my gosh. I was like, yep, <laughs> that sucks. I know exactly what you mean. Because literally the week before, I had also been late to a meeting. And I did get a, a text saying, hey, where are you? <laughs> it was like, oh, man, I'm late. <laughs> I'm really late. <laughs> it was one of those meetings where I could still show up. Um, but I was definitely noticeably late. Oh yeah. Got to make a grand appearance and say, Hey, I'm here. Hey everybody. (laughs) So long story short, obviously, um, in good news, um, I've been reading as well. I told you I'd been reading the stories, the collective works of HG Wells. I also decided Mm -hmm. for some strange reason that that whole thing isn't enough. So I also started reading the first book of Game of Thrones. So it's like, I'll read a couple pages of one, and then I'll read a couple pages of the other one. It's an interesting jump. I was going to say. (laughs) uh, To say the least. You know, very very interesting. Um, Right. One thing that I can tell you right off the bat is, well, H.G. Wells is way more organized. He's way more organized. Yeah. Um, I don't know what uh, Martin was thinking when he was writing the books, and maybe I never would have noticed if I hadn't just happened to be reading them both at the same time. But man, right. one definitely had a plan; one does not. <laughs> yeah, you know. So he George R. R. Martin has said that he is a, and this I actually asked you this question recently because you were telling me about your own writing. I asked you, um, do you like plot out your stories beforehand, or do you like kind of just go along? Because George R. R. Martin has said he's not someone who like plots out every detail and then writes his story like he just writes Mm. um which i think makes for some really rich deep interesting characters but you know some people are unhappy that he's taken over a decade since his last book in the series has come out um he's been involved with a number of other projects including the show in particular but um yeah, I, I I remember reading those books, the uh, the George, the Game of Thrones books, that is, and those are really good. I have not read H.G. Wells, at least not any of this original oh. stories. I mean, I know well, sto- some of the stories, but... Well, I told yeah. you, I contacted you when I started reading the uh, the story, uh, The Time Machine, and the yeah. first paragraph, I was like, oh boy, we're in for it now. <laughs> I mean, the first paragraph was really just like, yeah, break out the thesaurus, because you're going to be here all night. You yeah. Know? Um, yeah, that's really interesting. I, I'm reading uh, Charles Dickens. You're reading H.G. Wells. I'm, I don't know exactly how far away from each other they were writing, but they were probably fairly close together on some level. The 1900s yeah. on some – I'm sorry, the 1800s, I mean. You should find that out. Writing. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, I don't think H.G. Wells was like late 1800s, but 
Charles late eighteenth, like yeah, yeah, like mid to early to mid for Charles Dickens. But anyway, yeah, good stuff. So all that to say, David and I like to read clearly, and we yeah. are also are obviously nerds. So um, <laughs> not a big deal for us, and hopefully not a big deal for you. And even if it is, we don't really care because we're going to keep doing it <laughs> anyway. But to return us to the nerddom that got us here. We will right. now go ahead and talk about our show, and the episode is Second Sight. And David, would you like to give our recap? Yeah, and I'll try to make it a little bit more tight this time around. We, we know we're going a little long sometimes, guys, so let's we're going to try and tighten it up a little bit. Um, so this episode opens with uh, Cisco on uh, doing his personal log. He is reminiscing about the fact that it's been four years since his wife died at, is it Wolf 9, is that correct, Wolf Terry? 359. Three five nine. Yes. Okay, and that was when the Borg attacked, uh, as the premiere episode uh, described. Mm-hmm. And while he's reminiscing about that, his son Jake comes out, and he's Jake has had a nightmare. And Jake won't say it's a nightmare; he just says he had a dream. And Cisco says, "Tell me about it." And basically, Jake is saying, "I couldn't find you in the dream, and it was very, it was it was disturbing that he couldn't find his father." Uh, mm-hmm. But then, as he goes back to bed, he says, "I miss her," and and Cisco says, "I do too." Uh, Cisco still can't sleep, so he goes out on to the station, basically to the promenade area out where you can see the stars, yep. and a woman, a beautiful woman, walks up, and she says her name is Finna, and they immediately take an interest in each other. Um, she is beautiful. But she is beautiful, <laughs> but when Cisco turns around at one point and then turns back to look at her, she's gone. And the next morning, next day, Cisco's distracted. He is not really engaging in conversation with people. He's always smiling. And Jake catches him at it. And he's like, hey, I can tell Nog has told me there are some signs about someone who's in love. You're giving off all the signs of someone in love. What's going on? And Cisco's like, ah, I don't really want to talk too much about it yet. But Jake says, I'm okay if you fall in love. Um, I'd love to meet her. Um, once again, Cisco goes to the window and Finna appears again. And she takes him up on his offer to go on a tour of the station. And they plan a date for the next day, basically, a picnic. And as soon as Cisco tries to start asking her questions about herself, she suddenly gets upset and runs away. So he is all confused. There's this pretty woman who's very clearly interested in him. He's interested in her. He can't get any information about her. He goes to Odo and says, Odo, I need you to uh, find me some information about this woman. Meanwhile, uh, there is a professor on the station. He is there with Lieutenant Dax to work out a plan for restarting a star. He has been a terraformer and has terraformed planets and loves to describe every all of his exploits. But this is going to be something new, restarting a star, a dead star, and uh, reawakening it. Um, now, this man is hes hilarious. I love the first scene he shows up in. He's very grandiose, and he's kind of self-aware about it. I loves describing all of the things he's done. He, uh, for example, says that, you know, I tried failure once. I didn't like it, and so now I'm always, I just never let it failure happen again. didn't agree with me. Exactly. He says, I tried so it once, it didn't agree with me, so I vowed to exactly. never do it again. Exactly. <laughs> so he's a very interesting character, and uh, he invites all of the senior officers onto the Prometheus, the ship that the science ship that's going to be taking him to the star for dinner. And it turns out that the his wife, who serves dinner, looks exactly like Finna. So Cisco is absolutely bewildered. This woman does not recognize him. 
she looks exactly like the woman, but she's in a much, you know, or she's not, like not in the flowing dress that she saw Finna yeah, much in. Much more conservative in an appearance and, in this scene, right? Yeah. And so when Cisco confronts her after dinner and says basically what's going on, she's like, "I don't know who you are. I don't. We've never met before." And so Cisco is all kinds of bewildered. Um. At that point, uh, I'm going to kind of skip ahead just a little bit and just say that basically at, um, he meets Finna one more time and Finna comes to him and he realizes that she's some sort of ghost or energy being because she disappears in front of yeah, him. Yeah, she's a, basically a tele- yeah. telekinetic projection from Finna's mind and it's like an altered personality as well. Right. So, well, it's not Finna. It's Nadell. Uh, Nadell is the wife. Yes, Nadell is the the real person. Finna right. is the projected personality. And exactly. And the husband, he obviously has had experience with her before. He he recognizes Finna. He kind of lets it all out as to what's going on, and then ultimately, right. go ahead. Yeah. So he explains that his wife comes from a race of people who are able to project when they're unconscious. So his wife is dying because she is in this unconscious state where she's projecting a physical energy being that looks exactly like her but who has none of the same memories and is a different personality from herself um so cisco realizes well hey i can't like the woman is dying i can't make this lovely woman i like stay so he convinces uh nadel i'm sorry nadel finna that nadel will die unless she goes back to her and he's already seen it happen you know finna has disappeared before um, but the professor, the husband, he has told Cisco that, uh, Nadell, his wife, her race, they mate for life. And so even though he's been married and divorced multiple times, his wife, even though she's unhappy with their current marriage, she's not going to leave him. This unconscious state is something that, um, it basically is insinuated as partly, the result of their unhappy marriage. Mm-hmm. And so he decides that as a part of his last glorious act of science, he's going to go on the ship. That's going to go down to the sun and restart the sun and basically commit glorious suicide for science in order to both start the sun again and relieve his wife of his, you know, from of their him. marriage. Yeah. yeah. Which I have to say, it felt a little forced, but anyway, that's how the episode ends. Nadell, the wife, comes to Cisco afterward and says, I don't remember any of the memories, but I just want to know what was Finna like? And Cisco says she was just like you. Um, and so she walks away and, uh, yeah, there we yes. go. That was a much shorter version of our recaps. We were, we're mm. trying to do that better guys. So <laughs> hope you guys appreciate the shorter version. Because recaps. as we always say, <laughs> after every recap, as we always say, if we missed anything, yes. you have the opportunity to go and watch it. We are obviously going to do a deep dive on the episode anyway. So just go watch it. Pause us, right. go watch the episode and come back. Be enriched. Not, right. not informed, I guess. Yes. You, I mean, you'll yeah. still be informed a little bit, but Mm-hmm. Go watch the episode, basically, and then come yeah. back. We'll be here. Right. We'll still accept you. It's okay. Yeah. So, um, this episode, it's it's one that it's it's to me it's weird because it gives us a lot, but you have to really be paying attention to get it because this episode is really easy to gloss over. Um, it is very reminiscent of Next Generation in its format and the way that we have this. Yeah. 
new alien of the week that's in here and is influencing our main characters, but it's so fleeting and right. there's there's no sense of, of permanence at all, which is what you really got from a lot of the episodes of Next Generation. Not that those episodes obviously weren't good. We still love them, but that's kind of how it was. We knew that by the end of the episode, pretty much everything that had just happened kind of got a bit of a reset for the right. next. And um, this episode, you you do have a bit of that feel. And I think it's because um, there were a lot of changes to this story that we were unaware of. Really? And so until you do okay. a little bit of a deep dive, it, it helps to make things make even more sense. Right. Um, one thing I love about this episode is that we get another chance to focus on Cisco, who, while he's been yeah. in pretty much every episode that we've seen so far, he really has right. kind of taken a back seat on them. He's definitely dropped back into more of a observer role than being right. really active and engaged. And now all of a sudden he is not only engaged, but he's front and center, you know? Right. And this episode also starts to give us a little bit of a, um, a little bit more of how he and Picard are different. Yes. You know, Picard was always very distant with his crew. And when it came to matters of romantic involvement, Picard was also very, um, uh, very private. private. Yes. Yes. Very, very the, private. I, I'm glad uh, we hit on the same word. Yeah. It was great. <laughs> whereas as Cisco here, I mean, we meet him and it's a, it's a very vulnerable moment and he's admitting it. Like the episode opens with him saying that he's, he's feeling very guilty right now because it's the fourth anniversary of his wife's death, which is also right. the fourth anniversary of the infamous Wolf 359 disaster, you know? Yes. And he's feeling guilty because he almost forgot. And so it's like, man, he almost forgot not only like the worst day in Starfleet history, but right. the worst day of his own life personally. That he he was he almost allowed it to pass that any kind of, you know, fuss or to do or whatever. And now he's up tossing and turning about it. Right. Um so he's obviously in a very vulnerable state. And from what we've seen of him so far, before this point, that's not really the Cisco that we know. Cisco really seemed at first to just kind of let things roll off of him. Like, nothing really bothered him. He was always very unflappable. And now yeah. here's this very personal moment that we're we're starting the episode with. Yeah. You know, it's not later on. It's right there in your face. I love that. Absolutely yeah. love that. Yeah. Yeah, this is a, a great, this is a good Cisco episode. Um, and I have to go ahead and just start with that. I just love his relationship with Jake. Yeah. Cisco and Jake are just great together. I mean, the fact that this man expresses love to his son in unapologetic ways that, like, his son comes out and says, I had a dream. Like, they never call it a nightmare. They never call it a nightmare. Cisco says talking about dreams sometimes help them go away, but he never says it's a nightmare. And Jake asks him, like, don't laugh at me. And Cisco says never. Um, it's a sweet scene, and they say I love you to each other at the end of this scene. And I just loved it. Like, yeah. if the episode had just stopped there and, like, that was the episode, just the two of them having a quiet moment together, yeah, it would have been great. It's I, just a fabulous moment. I love the way that he, he he doesn't dismiss Jake at all. He doesn't, you know, Jake comes wandering out and he's like, yeah, I had a you know bad dream, whatever. And he doesn't just say, oh, bad dreams happen, go back to bed, because he's right. deep in his own feelings and doesn't want to deal with his son or anything like that. No, yeah. he welcomes his son in, you know, and yes. he's just like, 
yeah, go get some hot chocolate. Come have a seat. Tell me about the dream. And even when right. Jake doesn't want to initially initially engage at that point, he's still like, I'm here for you. You know, dreams, yeah. I, they tend to go away once you talk about them, once you explain them. He gets it out of his out of his son. And, right. you know, I, I love the, the the way they just show that there's obviously a great bond between the two of them. There's trust between the two of them. You know, they talk all the time about parents who struggle, especially as their kids get older. And Jake is obviously a teenager. You know, he's yeah. probably 14, 15 years old here, you know. Right. And he's definitely in that mindset of, you know, my parents just don't understand me, whatever. But right. we don't see any of that here. He is very... Um, He's very much willing to come and talk to his dad. He holds up yeah. the whole don't laugh, but we already knew he was going to tell his dad what was yeah. going on. You know? well, what was great about that moment, too, is like Sherlock Lofton, who is Jake Sisko, he's so tall now. He looks like, I, as I was watching this scene, I loved it. But I was, also, I was also thinking, like, this boy is getting to the age where, like, these scenes are, like, no longer going to really almost even work because he's like, he's going to be. Yeah. 16 and like he's not gonna be coming to his dad to talk about nightmares anymore that's not what he's gonna be worried about he's gonna pass on nightmares easy like he is quickly moving out of that you know young teenage era era of his life so like these moments are going to be fewer and fewer as the as he grows older right um which also ties in nicely with the way he responded to oh hey dad noticed that you're in love i noticed that you yeah, like, you're showing all you, the signs. I've been talking yeah. about love and romance and girls with Nog, and yeah, exactly. Cisco's reaction with Nog. Yeah, you've been talking with Nog. Yeah, I, I loved exactly. it. I loved it as well. Just I could just imagine, you know, just the the whole almost right. a sense of betrayal to 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 Ben a little bit here because he, again he's he's used to his son coming to him, and now right. his son has this other person, and it's somebody he doesn't really approve of who's given his son advice of any kind well it's, it's also know? great because when cisco is out on the promenade later in the episode the one scene with court court comes up to him with a with a i don't know wine or some drink and he says hey i've seen that look on many a man's face even in the mirror once or twice you want to talk about it and cisco's yeah. like nope hey, right <laughs> we can go we can go to the bar and talk you know man to yeah. man he's like uh no no <laughs> not, not at all, all. And then you know, Cork's like, oh, there's always the hollow suite. And he's like, oh, heck no. And like, he walks away. Yeah. And Cork just downs the drink. Like, as he drank from it at the end of that scene, I was like, he probably took a sip or two before he got up there. Have you ever like, noticed that Cork does that on almost every drink that he serves? Drink, meal, whatever. He tastes it. Yeah. I, I recently was picking that up as we've gone back through and kind of gone through some of his episodes. And in particular, he does this thing where he likes to stick his pinky finger into whatever it is <laughs> and then, and then taste it. It's disgusting. I don't know oh, who yeah. told him to do that. I, 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 whatever, but it definitely seals the deal for me on him being shady. Cause I was like, oh, well, yeah. I, I mean, I was, I was hesitant to drink it or eat it before, but now that your finger has been all in it, <laughs> I'm definitely not gonna not gonna eat it, you know. Yeah. But yeah, and then of course he seals it with Cisco here too. You know, the hollow suites are always open. It's like, that's not what this man what's on this man's mind at all. No, you just turned this moment that could have been a little bit of friendship building between the two of you into a transaction and a <laughs> a CD one at that. You know. So it's yeah. Just, yeah. Great well, it's scene. Just that you want to talk about women, and it's like, man. We just got that episode two episodes ago where it was about how Frangie women 
are so put down upon in Ferengi society that this one woman had to dress up as a man just to get out. So, no, I don't want to talk to you about women. Not with you, yeah. Everything about you and your culture is absolutely backward. Get back down to your bar and get away <laughs> from me. <laughs> but back to Jake and Ben in their course. Yes. Yeah. Have to remark on not only how awesome it is to see the relationship, but for the time in the nineties, this was a very rare thing to see on TV, a single black father raising a child alone and, and doing it well, doing it successfully, showing a strong bond between the two of them and showing that they are, you know, committed to talking to each other. Not fighting, not one trying to overrule the other one and being authoritative or anything like that, but just having a a great personal relationship, a moment between the two of them. Um, Right. Again, just so rare to see uh, back then and even to a a certain extent now. Like, I mean, there there have been more shows that have featured um, black families and, and, and so forth, but not very many of them that have that particular dynamic, the single right. father with the child. You do right. see a lot of the single mother with the child or multiple children or whatever it is, but it's very right. rare that you see it the other way around, and it's very yeah. rare that you see it where it's consistently positive. Right. And um I know that they were stepping out on a limb here with a lot of things on Deep Space Nine, and this was definitely one of them. And for them to start the episode and feature it so prominently, so strongly right there, um, right. great message for um, just people being seen for representation. You know, it was just a great yeah. thing to to have not seen for so long and to suddenly see it on a sci-fi show as prominent as Star Trek was just phenomenal. Yeah. I would say two things to that as follow-up. Like, you know, The Simpsons, I think, give a good example of the father figure who is, like, his role in the family is the dolt. He's the yeah. he's the one who everyone laughs at, which I think a lot of comedies especially have taken that route, which, I mean, it makes sense in a comedy. Comedy's about laughing. But in a serious storyline, especially like this, you definitely want the serious relationships to really have weight to them. And when we had Picard in TNG as our most recent example of a captain, um, he's always, you know, uncomfortable around children. And so his relationships, as we just said earlier, is very private. To see that, again, that Cisco is a very different person, and this aspect in particular, is great. We, we got some variation uh, in the two men, and I, I'm there for it. It, it definitely yeah. it works. They, I'm glad they really committed to this. That they didn't him and Ha about what the relationship was going to be between Cisco and uh, or between Ben and Jake. They from the get go have been a close father and son. They've had not really major arguments. It's just been them being father and son in a different situation. And his father, you know, Ben relates to his son in clear, open ways, and it's it's great to see. I'm really glad that the show has done that. And well, we can give a lot of credit for that to Avery Brooks, the man who plays. Commander Benjamin Sisko, you know, he um, really took the reins on that. It's been well documented uh, top to bottom that that was one thing he was really committed to was um, showing this very strong, positive relationship. And for exactly the reasons that, you know, I I was saying earlier, just it was so rare to see on TV and he wanted to portray that. He wanted it to be a very positive experience for anyone watching the show. You know, yeah. and um, that's something that I'm really glad that they really let him 
lead with. They didn't really interfere with. And even um, Sirach Rofton, you know, Jake, he's gone on um, and has told the story several times about how close he and Avery Brooks still are and how, right. you know, there were times when they would go out to like, you know, baseball games or, you know, whatever um, outside of work and how yeah. even then, you know, Avery Brooks would always introduce him as, you know, as his son as well. You know, he right. actually has a son. They would all go together and he would just say he was his son as well. And if you see pictures of Zarak often now, it's weird how much he does kind of look like Avery Brooks. Yeah, and I've said it before, but yeah. these two, they, they fit as father and son. Yeah, just, they, they some great so casting, anymore. great casting yeah. for him. Yeah. You know, and I, and I, there was a couple of pictures that came out of Ciroc Lofton recently where he had, you know, shaved his head and did the whole goatee thing. And I was like, man, I don't know if you did it on purpose or what, but you look just like him. So stop <laughs> it. <laughs> just yeah, get that out. Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> So, should, after yeah. that, there is another boisterous character that we are introduced to on this episode. Um, right. Professor Gideon Sayatek, who yes. is, uh, as I said, he's very boisterous. He's he's full of life. The first scene that we see him in, he's loud. He's got a deep baritone laugh. And he's just, yes. he really kind of just takes over the scene. What, right. what did you think of him? First impressions of him coming forward. Oh yeah, it, I I would say look at Cisco's face during this first scene. That was my face. He was just fabulous in that first scene. He's gregarious. He's laughing. He's making fun of himself. He's bragging, but he's also self-deprecating in that. Yeah, I, like I said, we said earlier, I tried failure once. I didn't. I didn't like it. It didn't work for me. So I've I've determined never to fail ever again. And like you love that. And then it was also perfect that the episode showed us that that got a little bit old. Yeah. A little for, bit too quickly. Yeah, it's for like, pretty much everyone. He, he yeah. wore on them very, very quickly, you know. Right. And um, I think that's one of the areas in which this episode ultimately fails. Because there needed to be a sense that he and Cisco were kindred spirits. And right. I don't think okay. that that ever really happened because Sayatek was so over the top. You I, right. and by kindred spirits, I mean I, you know, I mean that I mean that they needed to you know definitely show that there was some kind of way that these two characters could relate to each other. And I just don't think that they ever really achieved it. Um, yeah, Cisco was just he's he, he was just too different. And Sayatek is he, he's so loud. He's so proud of everything that he does. He's the he's the genius of everything. There's nothing he hasn't tried and been right. immediately immensely successful at. You know, right. even to the point where when they have the the dinner, the meal that they're having, even though his wife prepared it, it's his recipe. His, and he yes. goes into exquisite detail on how you have to make it and just so. And he's just yeah, a very, 500 degrees Kelvin, exactly. Yes. It's like, oh man. <laughs> Everything has to be a certain way if you're going to have even a modicum of the success that he's had. And, mm -hmm. you know, he's just. Everything everything about him was just so over the top. And for me, in all of those scenes, the only person that I felt like I really related to the most was Kira. If you watch, <laughs> if you watch Kira, she is she is yeah. annoyed from the moment that that scene starts till it ends. Yes. And if you watch at the, especially at the end, 
when everybody's being dismissed, Kira runs out of the room. She's the only one. And <laughs> uh, seriously, if you watch, I didn't notice that. No, she, she is sitting right next to Sayatek at the table. But when he basically dismisses them from the table, right. she is out the door before Bashir Bolts. at the other end can even get up. She's already <laughs> gone. I was like, man, she really sold it on not liking yeah. him. Uh, no. Nana Visitor, yeah, she was playing that part to perfection. Oh, I yes. did not notice that because in that moment I was watching Cisco. Yes. That's the scene where he confronts um, Nadell as, hey, like, what are yes. you trying to do? Like, if you had just, he says, if you just told me that you were married, that would have been fine. What was all this rigmarole? Right. Um, and she's like, I don't know who you're talking about. <laughs> now, of course, get Which, in. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, finish. No, go finish your thought. Finish I was just going to say Gideon Sayatek was played by Richard Kiley, a guy who's had a very, or had, yeah, a very prolific um, acting and directing career. He's got a lot of different creds to his name. Um, he did pass away shortly after um, this episode. Or not. Oh, really? Shortly in this, like later, like I think the next year, like I think the year, yeah, like the next Falling. year he died. Oh, so, okay. Um, but he was—he's been—he was in a lot of things, and in fact, he has a lot of acting credits that he shares with other Star Trek actors. So um, I want—I always wonder if that's how he kind of got, you know, intrigued into doing the role, because so many right. of people that he had already worked with and were were friends of his and co-stars on other shows, he—they right. all had Trek ties. So they were like, "Yeah, he'll do it," and he—and he did it, and. Right. He was great in the role, but I just think that the role was one of those that probably this episode probably would have been greater served on both the romantic side and the mystery side and the building of the relationship between Cisco and Sayatek if it had been a two-parter. Yeah, I, think, I, 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 think I, I as, yeah, as you talk, I'm, I think I'm kind of getting what you're saying because at the end of the episode, I felt like the explanation for what the conclusion of the episode was going to be was was a bit far-fetched oh this this wife of mine she can project these things but she's tied to me because her people mate for life and i'm like what is she a penguin like what do you mean she mates for life like yeah let's, it's like, they were very light on the explanation oh like, yeah we, and then they, we don't sorry, know, well, you're right they're very light on the explanation yeah. we don't know enough about her species her species right they're called halanans we only know what we get right here, which is Sayatek yes. did some huge favor for them. We assume it was he terraformed their planet and yes. saved them all, you know. Right. And so as, like, I guess some weird way to thank him, they gave him a wife. And right. it's just like... Well, he for... says that she was infatuated with me, which of course she was because they were unveiling a statue in my honor at the moment she saw me. And so it's one of those moments where it's like, we already know he's been married and divorced at least nine times. Yeah. He says, I want to have as many volumes in my biography as, as as many marriages I've had. So you immediately know that this dude can't hold a, uh, his wife down, any of his women down. And in that moment, as soon as he reveals he has a wife, is also the moment you realize that the woman is going to be this woman we've been trying to figure out who she is this whole time. Um, so, yeah, I, I, when he, at the end of the episode, decides to sacrifice himself for science and for his wife, it felt hollow because it was like, this doesn't make sense. Yeah. Why, like, why her need to be away from you is going to be solved by you jumping into a sun? <laughs> um, yeah, yeah if, I mean, the ep- go ahead. If the if the episode had developed his relationship with the with Professor Siskic, is that right? Say a tech. Say a tech. Say a tech. 
Um, if he had developed that relationship and if he had developed this relationship more with uh, Nadell, like that could have made more sense. Yeah. But I know we only have 40 minutes, so they yeah. had to pack as much in as they could. But I think you're totally right that um, because we don't get that connection between the two men, and certainly we don't get any more relationship between him and Nadell, Cisco and Nadell, we don't get the full... The, the crisis of this yeah. of this moment. Right. You know, Cisco was falling in love with this woman, and she was beautiful and lovely. He says when they're having their moment up on, uh, they're up on one of the, the pylons, pylons. And, he's, and he says, "How is it that you always have the right answer?" And she laughs, and like they're they're clearly meant for each other. And then to find out that she's the projection of someone else's subconscious. Like, there's so many questions there. Like, right. is this the per- I thought when this episode was going on, because we had started with the idea that Jake was having a nightmare, that the woman was unconscious and was sleeping and was projecting something. But I thought it was, like, her alternate personality. Like, when she's asleep, this other personality comes out and wanders around. And then when she wakes up, she's this more subdued personality. And she's uh. subdued because her husband is, like, abusing her. And like, uh, and so, like and, so, and so that she in, in your theory, she would have been aware of the projection, the other persona. Well, I, what I was no, what I'm getting at is, I thought the episode was going to be that we were seeing the real woman, and then the wife was, was the this persona. put upon uh, was no the put was no was the put upon wife by this this grand, massive, hugely popular professor, but all of that is is oppressing this woman. And she can't be her full self, and so she's realizing her well, who she was before yeah. she met him in these in these projections of herself. And so at the end of the episode, when Cisco says she was just like you, I, I can't really believe that because I never got to yeah. know Nadell enough to agree with yeah. Cisco's. It was a nice thing for him to say. I, I think it was the right thing for him to say. Very sweet, but. I don't believe Nadell is that woman. They were yeah. two different people. Yeah. Um, Another reason why this would have been a great two-parter episode. And I think that, you know, there, I, I would like to think, I should say, that perhaps there was some behind-the-scenes arguing about making this a two-parter episode because of mm-hmm. the fact that there was, we were just so light on what was going on. You right, know, and if you think about it, this episode, you know, you know, the episodes typically have like an A plot and a B plot. This right. really was an episode that had that because it's like the A plot, I guess, is them trying to figure out the whole Nadell Fena scenario, and the right. B plot is the reigniting of the star and who right. who who is Gideon Sayatek when 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 he turns off the charm. You know, right. but we never really, we never really got there. We needed so much more, yeah. Before and and we just we never got it, um, right? And this is another one of those where, I, again, looking behind the scenes does um, give us a little bit more information. And so, like for example, this episode was actually not supposed to be about Captain Cisco, uh, Commander oh. Cisco. It was supposed to feature um, Bashir. Julian Bashir. I knew it. It was supposed it. to be a Bashir <laughs> love story. To a degree, it was a, more of a love story. He just mystery. got one two episodes, three right. episodes ago. That man would be getting around if this was about him. <laughs> yeah, and so they decided, you know, kind of last minute to change it up and to go with Cisco because of the fact that, you know, as it, as as I noted earlier, that we had not heard much about Cisco 
um, right. up to this point. And they felt it was a great way to try to define this character a little bit more. So while the episode overall, I think, you know, it, it does get lower ratings with um, Star Trek fans. It does do a lot here to establish, you know, what kind of man Cisco is and, um, you know, what his... Um, what his moral stance is to a bit, you know, like he was all right. about pursuing Fena until he found she was Nadell and married. And then he was immediately ready to confront her about it, you know, like right. in the, in that same moment, you know, and him, yeah. he, he was discreet, you know, waited through dinner or whatever, but he was at least, you know, Hey, this is, we're not going to let this slide. You know? Right. So, um, again, we get a lot about Cisco here, which is always something that I appreciate because, yeah, it just took so long, and yeah, he is he is our commanding officer. We need right. more. We need more on this guy. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, he's supposed to be our main. Like, if there's a again, like if if Picard was this, like all the other characters revolved around his character, Cisco, you would imagine is supposed to fall in that category, and he and this one kind of got there a little bit. Um, in fact, we got more from Dax than we have in a yes, while. Yes, I was going to say we got great. Yeah, surprise turnout with Dax here. Yeah, you know. I. The so uh, so we didn't mention it in the recap. So Dax, she also realizes that Cisco has got got the hots for someone. So Cisco is not hiding. <laughs> He's not very good at keeping his little uh, romantic uh, interests a secret. And she comes to him up in his office and says, "Hey, so uh, just because I'm a girl now, you used to tell uh, Curzon everything." Mm-hmm. And Cisco says, "Not everything." Uh, but she's like, well, is it because I'm a girl now? You won't yeah. talk to me about these things? And he's like, well, there's nothing to tell. And she gives him that look like, come on. Yeah, she's definitely um, on his case. Oh, it's because I'm a woman. That's it, isn't it? And I mean, yeah. she's just, she's so vibrant and playful in yes. the scene. And it's just the like. banter, yeah. yeah. It's like, where has this been? Like, we've been exactly. waiting for this. We, we've been told over and over again how close you two were. And right. just now, season two, episode whatever, we're Nine, fi- yeah. this, now we're finally seeing it. Come on. Come yeah, on. It's like in that episode, where, episode four of this season where, again, that, that guy came to steal Dax and have the symbiote put in him instead. Like, when he became Dax, he had more personality yes, than Dax had. Right. He like, had more personality then, than Judd yeah. like Exactly, yes. And I wonder, <sighs> if, they, and I wonder if that was kind of like, this is their way of kind of making up for that a little bit. Because it's like, Varad Dax was so vibrant in and of his yes. own sense, you know? And it's like, we've never seen that side of Judd at all. Never. Right. And so yeah. it was just so weird to see it in this other alien that's also supposed to be our beloved Dax. Right. And so I'm so glad that, like, they, I guess, realized that and they gave it to yeah. us in these right. scenes. All of yeah. her stuff with Cisco here was... I. It definitely hinted at a deeper relationship between the two of them. Right. You know, she's teasing him. He, you know, they're they're reminiscing about past stuff a little bit. She's even in his ear when when Nadell comes around the corner and she's right there to be like, "Now we have something to talk about." You yes. Know, she was on point the whole time, and right. also obviously backing up her friend. Like she never oversteps. She's never right. in his way. It was great. Yeah. It was great. And I was yeah. like, yes. Finally, that's the Dax that I've been yeah. waiting on to show up. I knew she was there, and I just, you know, right. David, I'm like, I just don't, I hope he doesn't, like, write off Dax, because she's such a great character. When oh, she no, shows this up. one, 
this one was great. Yeah. Um, I think all of our cast got a moment in this episode. O'Brien was fixing something and Cisco tells them like, you wouldn't be happy if there wasn't something to fix. And O'Brien says, uh, I'd be willing to give that a try. <laughs> that was a fun little moment between them. Um, Bashir, I can't remember anything he said really in this episode, but he was there for the the, the, the meal. Mm. Yeah, he didn't really say anything, anything standout-ish, other than basically, in, you know, give our professor a reason to talk more about himself at well, at least one point. Um, but yeah, you're right. Kira was also a standout. That whole uh, when uh, you know Cisco says he's one of the greatest minds in the Federation, and she right. says, "Yeah, I know. He's told me." <laughs> Yeah, she was. This was actually a really funny episode. Now that I think more about it, it had a lot of humor, mm. a lot of heart. Um, but I will say, so. Oh, go ahead. Well, just, I, you... another Kira scene that I really enjoyed was, you know, the the morning after Cisco has met um, Fenna, and he comes into Ops, and he gets the he gets tea instead of Roxigino, and he comes right. down, and she's just like clearly disturbed by the fact that he is drinking this tea and he's like right. what's the problem and she's like right. every day for the past year I have watched you and it like at first I, I was thinking why has she been watching this man so closely I know people that I've worked with for a year and I couldn't tell you if they drank tea water coffee whatever right whatever it is she knows this man's habits you don't, she's like you didn't even talk to people until you had your first cup <laughs> right you know and she's yeah. like so and right on it so why are you drinking tea right and you know it's it shows the level of i guess interest that she has in the man i don't right. know you know and then i again just the not visitor does such a great job as kira and i just i love all of her scenes and that was just another one yeah. for me that i had to be like she's watching this man like a hawk and, right. and i love that cisco even turns it into a joke he's just like yeah if that's all right with you she's like yeah sure <laughs> yeah. drink whatever you want i don't you know right care. you know yeah so Great yeah, Nana Visitor has definitely been killing it as Kira. She was perfectly cast in that in that role. And uh, but I have to say that when that scene opened, she already seemed kind of upset or like mad about something. So when she confronted him about drinking something different, it's like she still had something else on her mind. Mm -hmm. But we never got to see that. So I I don't know if that was just me reading into something else or or if it's just a part of who she is in this episode that we don't get to explore. Um, but yeah, she was. She's following Cisco, like, hey, like, you always, like, refuse to talk to anybody until you have your cup of joe. What's going on now? And so, like, Cisco is, like, everyone's catching on. There is something different about he's this guy. Nice. He's nice. Yeah. He's engaged with people. Like, normally, as, as we've observed of him, he tends to be very aloof. He tends to be more on right. that observer level, you know. But, right. man, he's... He's awake. He's alert. He's clearly already had that Rakugino in his in, in his uh, quarters before he came to the prom, uh, to the to right. ops today. He's down with Chief. He's telling jokes. He's making wisecracks about him fixing the station. He's right. you know he's almost got a little you know pep in his step. Yeah, but just kind of right. like watching and being like, who the heck is this guy? Right. You know, and it kind of makes you wonder like, is perhaps the reason over the last season that we watched him that he seemed that way was that he was still in a sense in, you know, some kind of like grieving mourning period for his wife, yeah. you know, because, mm -hmm. right. you know, we know that's when shortly after all that, that he's come to the station. He was very PTSD about a right. lot of that stuff, you know? And so maybe you know, he's kind of just coming out of it a little bit and Fenna kind of kickstarted that a little bit, you know? Yeah. I think you're right because 
when he is confronting Finn under the end of the episode saying that like, you know, Nadell is going to die unless you go back to her. Um, he says that, you know, she asks like, would you want me to stay? And he's like, I would give anything for you to stay. Like I would give anything for this relationship, which is a turning point for him. Cause before that, I'm sure he would have said he would give anything for his dead wife to be back. And now for him to say, I would give anything for this relationship, which has only been around for like 24 hours, uh, to continue. Um, yeah, he's definitely changed. I, I have to say, every time, I mean, like when Cisco, when, when Ben and, and Jake said "I love you" to begin this episode, I I believed that. But at the end of the episode, when she was like "I I love you," like he didn't say it back to her, which I'm glad because I I always hate it in storytelling when characters just fall in love at first sight. Yeah, like at least in this episode, they were actually interacting they were actually like he was showing her around and they were planning the picnic so they like each other they're attracted to each other but cisco wasn't jumping the gun um which i i like the man definitely still had his reservations well not reservations he was disciplined in his courting of this woman that he just yeah, met yeah yeah <laughs> he I wasn't see what just yeah, he, jumped, um... like like bashir would have taken her Back to his quarters within the second date. Oh yeah, I mean, they're, yeah, has... they're, there never would have been the long walk to the picnic spot on the pylon. Right. It would have been to the nearest secluded area where he could smash his face to hers. Yeah, I just. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you know. Exactly. <laughs> so I, I liked that that was um, Cisco. But actually, on this point, I want to say, when this episode started, I was dreading this episode a bit because, like. As we open up, Cisco's talking about his dead wife. And then here's this beautiful woman. And if we know anything about storytelling, especially the last episode we just did, where the beautiful woman began the episode was devious. She was the film noir stereotype of the beautiful woman who's actually the dangerous. Fatale. Exactly. It was like, oh man, if I know anything about storytelling, we got a fin fatale right here. We got to have a crisis moment. We got to have conflict. Something has to go wrong. What else could go wrong that she's actually going to lead him along and then turns out she's actually got some devious plot and so she's gonna turn on him somewhere so i was glad when this episode turned out like there's not that she's evil or there's a devious plot it turns out that there's a whole series of like the, the woman is actually not real and the real woman's married to someone else and so David, i yeah anyway go ahead go you, ahead you've clearly been poisoned by current <laughs> tv that is how oh, all tv yes. these days is they introduce the beautiful so character true. and they're always no matter what they always have to be these kind of devilish twists that we're not oh, supposed Perry, to expect as, but, as i was dude. watching this episode and i was preparing for us to talk about it i was like man anyone listening to us is going to call me a woman hater they're going to say that <laughs> david doesn't like women he's had terrible relationships with women his whole life and therefore he just can never trust women and therefore he hates this one character <laughs> I, I I guess no. I mean, my point is is that storytelling usually goes one direction. So I'm glad this episode didn't quite go that direction, even though I knew that it was going to have to be this woman that he just met that was going to be part of whatever mm -hmm. twist the story was going to take. Um, and that's also why I want to say that I'm I agree with you that the relationship he should have had with um, the professor and with the real woman, if we could have developed that more, um, that would have been good. Like if if the twist had been really if we'd really focus on the twist being that like the professor guy was just utterly failing her as a husband, like we get right. that. But if we could have really gotten more into that, like or, the man who he wants to be 
is a Cisco-like husband, but he's failed well, on that level. Since and I was, so Cis, yeah. Go, sorry, go ahead. No, that's go ahead. I was gonna say. Like, it would have been great if the episode had folk if it had been longer and had built up the relationship between Cisco and Sayatek to make it to where these two individuals are friends. Maybe not on right. the same level as. Dax and and Cisco, but definitely right. a, a good friendship, a bond between the two of them. Right. And so right. then to have the reveal, like, and I would have loved that if we had never seen Nadell, if we had only ever seen Fena, and we were learning right. more and more and more about Fena and seeing, you know, and and Cisco's, you know, he's coming more out of his shell. He and Sayatek right. are getting along so well, and he's ready to introduce Sayatek to this woman that he's recently been seeing. And that's right. when we find out who Fenna really is. You know, right. I would have loved that as a as a right. great twist. And then it being, you know, the realization from Sayatek that you know he's been failing his wife. You know, like as yes. much as much attention and love and doting on you know Fenna that that Cisco has done, and obviously Sayatek has heard about through his right. growing friendship with Ben. He is realizing more and more that he doesn't feel the same way for his wife. Right. And he doesn't do those things and that he would never be a man who would do those things because he's too self-important. And, right. you know, to to see that kind of dynamic build up between them, I think that would have also made the ending way more powerful because it's like, basically, you have these two friends um, and there's almost a sense of betrayal, but it's like, say it takes suicide would make more sense because he's like, I've trapped this person who cannot right. escape me. They cannot escape me by their own means. I never should have agreed to the marriage considering I've been right. married eight times before and I knew this right. already, you know. Right. Um, but she is trapped and I know that I will never be the man that she deserves and the right. only way to free her is for me to release her. This is my way of doing that. Well, I so I would have done something a little bit different. I would have what I would have, what I wish the episode had done is again. I I thought the idea was that this alternate personality was like a suppressed like the younger version of herself, like the beautiful uh. young woman that the professor married. That person has been lost because in the marriage, Nadell has been lost amongst all the greatness that her husband has. He doesn't give her the attention she deserves as his wife. And so, like, it, the suppressed personality comes out, and so Cisco falls in love with her and sees what the professor fell in love with, and I what, wish he had done is he goes to the professor and says, look, man, you've had so many great successes in life. Maybe the star thing will work, but, you know, I think you should give Nadell the attention she deserves as your wife. I know you love her. I can tell you love her. I've seen who, why you fell in love with her. Uh, but she's your wife. I'm not going to take her from you. And like the end of the episode, instead of him, you know, jumping into a star was him being like, um, like even if this, the, the experiment could still be successful, but maybe it doesn't go su successfully. He experiences failure with the star, but he chooses, you know what? I, I do love my wife, and that's how the like that's how the episode would have ended it for me. Like that's the happy ending I would have given it. I know that that's I know I, I love giving stories real sweet happy endings, which is mm. the reason I have trouble writing in the first place because I never <laughs> want to give my characters in nah. places where they're like having to struggle and experience tragedy. Like I just refuse to give my characters tragedy, and therefore there's no story for them to work through. <laughs> I have the exact but, um, opposite problem. I can give them an issue, and then I don't know how to solve it. So, right, heck, right. I mean, hell, yeah. talk about art yeah. imitating life. Yeah. 
<laughs> well, you and I have always talked. We should definitely, we definitely need to hammer out like a story sometime. You can throw in the problem. I can help solve it. Oh man. Um, and I'm a definite, yeah. in these days I've become an adamant fan of the, um, scorched earth, you know, you know, when, when something goes wrong for one, they're taking everybody with them, you know, like <laughs> that's, that's another one that I've really, oh, really man. bitten into. So, um, yeah. yeah. Right. Right. So, yeah, I, I think this episode was a good one overall. I think it started and had a middle section a little bit better than its, like, final act. I think the final act, as I think you kind of just have alluded to, was a little bit rushed. We had to come to a conclusion, and that meant we, we lost some things in the shuffle. Mm-hmm. Um, but overall, I, I like seeing Cisco the romantic. And uh, actually, as, as I say that, I remember the opening episode, the, the premiere episode. We got to see him go back in time and relive his wooing of his wife for the first time on the beach and that was great we are yeah i, I yeah we already stuff. knew that good he stuff. had that in him you know the the scene with him and his wife on the beach is still one of my all-time favorite scenes the right. man was so your mother's smooth. gonna love me right so smooth <laughs> his delivery line she's like you must say that to all the women he's like never before and never and again, never again. And i was like ah <laughs> i mean she was already ready man just just yeah. take her um right. i mean Cisco definitely has a lot of charisma, a lot of personality, and it was great to see that again. It's yeah. almost like, you know, because I know we had hinted at it a couple times in previous episodes, you know, it almost seemed like he was taking a back seat to things. He was there to kind of like give you an initial like setup or whatever, but then he wholly disappeared. And it was other right. characters, Odo, Quark, somebody else running around doing things. And Cisco was kind of just there to be like an administrator. He didn't really do right. anything else. Yeah. And so it was nice to see that that has changed and he's involved in the problem here. And right. he's the one kind of putting things together. Definitely um, a great episode for Cisco. It's one of those that, again, you know, it's been ranked, it's been ranked low repeatedly. But I feel like it, if you're an avid fan, you can go back and you can find a lot of things yeah. about this episode to enjoy. And yeah, um, yeah there's and again, some great I heartfelt if, scenes here. Yeah, if people are rating it lowly, as I just said, it's because the episode didn't have enough time to do what it needed to do, yeah. I think. As we both described, we both had alternate ways this episode could have gone and ended that could have been a little more satisfying. And unfortunately, the episode, I don't know what we would have cut to get it down there, because I, I feel like everything in the first two halves of the sh- like the first two thirds, I, I mean were great if we're doing like a three act structure or just break it down like the two first acts were great overall mm-hmm. uh and then it's just they had to tie everything up and um yeah, they, they that's just one of the one of the downsides of this with. kind of storytelling sometimes yeah i will give as a quick aside um the ship that they're on the prometheus um mm, it good is name a, for this for yes this, the experiment. Um, yeah. it is a nebula class starfleet ship and i just want to say I never particularly enjoyed the design of the Nebula class. I always thought it was a little oh. ugly, a little boxy. It was like someone took the Galaxy class and just smushed it, you know, and I sure. shoved everything up underneath the the saucer section. And I just, I hate stuff like that. It's like either it looks like they ran out of parts, and they're like, I don't I, know where to, I, I don't know where to stick this, so uh, just glue it under there, and we're good. We don't need we don't need the big bowl shape here or anything like that. Right. Just just stick it under there and go. That's, that's I have to I disagree with you this time because as soon as I saw this, this was a Federation ship, and it's been a long time since I've seen a Federation ship. Like I know you're watching the current shows, but for me, who's just been watching Deep Space Nine, 
like it's it's basically since TNG ended that I haven't seen a classic looking Federation starship. So as soon as I saw it, the nostalgia of that design, those nacelles and the saucer section, um, even though it was a little cramped version of a of a starship, I part of me was like, oh. I recognize that design. It's been a uh, while since I've seen that. <laughs> I don't like it. It always just reminds me of like some kind of like weird clamshell thing. I just, I've never liked it. Um, and so right. I was just like, of all the ships that you guys could have used, is there any way that you just anything else I would right. take besides this? Even the old Miranda class, which is without a doubt the ugliest, <laughs> ugliest ship design they've ever done. Um, right. But. That's it. That's my own little aside there. I don't like the Nebula class ships. You will never see me with a model of a Nebula class unless somebody gave it to me. I would not refuse it, but I would not next, spend my money on it. Your birthday next year, you just wait. Oh yeah. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, guys, I actually think, while ahead. no, hold on. While we while we're thinking about it, have you told everybody that you're building a a, oh, a, a, no. a full on I have not mentioned it Enterprise? So. Yeah. So for those who may or may not be interested, I don't care. I'm going to tell you anyway. Um, <laughs> I am a part of many other people out there who are doing the Eagle Moss model ship build, and it's the Enterprise D. And um, this has been going on for, I'm going to say six months, maybe a little bit longer, but I think it's been six months. Right. Um, and uh, it's... It's interesting, to say the least. Um, it took me a while to get started, mainly because, like, they sent me the first one, and it was, I mean, there was, it took five minutes to put it together, and then there's nothing to attach it to. So you kind of right. had to wait a bit before it, to get enough parts for things to slowly start to come together and be something. So right. maybe we'll do a, a brief uh, episode, something, and I'll do, like, a video, whatever, right. and I'll show well, what I've done very... so far. Be very clear. They're shipping you sections to build yes. every like so weeks, and you're gonna yes. build a, a full size ship that'll be like what two feet long? Like yeah, I believe it's supposed to be. Yeah, I believe it's supposed to be just under two feet long from stern to tail yes. or whatever those those terms so, are. Stern to aft. There we go. And I have to admit, I did not know this when I signed up to do this. I they they sold me on the whole. It's really easy to put together. So I'm thinking, okay, you're going to get a model that's a little bit larger than what the other Eagle Moss models were, and it would probably right. snap together in probably five or six parts, right? You just kind of pull them out, and it was they sold, the whole die-cast right. metal, super hard, all this kind of stuff. I was like, great. So then the first box arrived, and it was the uh, nacelles. One of the nacelles, yes. yeah. <laughs> and I pulled that thing out, and I was holding it, and it was the complete length of my palm, and I have pretty large hands. And so I was staring at this thing, and I was like, if this is the nacelle, the rest of this ship has got to be pretty massive. And so <laughs> I start unpacking the other things, and one of the things that it came with was a life-size poster that was supposed to be the precise size of the ship when you get it. Right. Right. So I unfolded that thing and my jaw just dropped. I was like, it's going to be how big? I don't have anywhere. I don't know where I'm going to put this thing. And like, right. even to make sure, like I even took the nacelle and laid it down on the poster part. Yeah, to see of course it you did. And right. it, yep, it was a, yeah. Yep. And it was a spot on match, which yeah. caused me to freak out even more. And I was right. just like this thing. And I'm thinking, oh, wait, and it's also die cast metal. It's going to be heavy. Where yeah. am I going to put this thing? And I still 
I still have not figured out <laughs> where I'm going to put it. Man, if so, you can figure out how to hang that from the uh, ceiling in the right place, I don't I'm, know how you would figure it out, but that would be awesome. <laughs> and it's supposed to, and it, and it and it will light up, you know, provided I do my my wiring correctly. But the, right. the kits come with everything that you need, and it even includes tools and instructions, and it's got all the wiring stuff that you need. It tells you how to lay everything down, all the other kind of stuff, how to hook up the little battery sections and all the other kind of stuff. So it's very all-inclusive. Some issues that have popped up for, for me that I also found out were occurring for other people is that Eagle Moss had changed the way they were sending out the parts because you know with the whole shipping issues that we've been having and uh, mailing and everything else they decided that they were just gonna you know increase the sending of of kits to you because you're right. supposed to get one once a month and then all of a sudden they were wanting to do it you know two or even three times a month but <laughs> this is also going to be at additional cost to you and you had a you had a very small window to tell them not to do this and thankfully, right. I caught them on time, but apparently a lot of people didn't. And then another thing that Eagle Moss was doing was every so often with every few kits, they would send you uh, a gift of some kind. But okay. you were charged for said gift, so it's not really a gift. But uh... see, the thing is, again, you had a very narrow window where you could tell them you did not want said gift. And if it right. shipped, you just you just got charged. So right. now I know there have been people out there who've been having some issues with this whole situation. Some people are not happy with the fact that you're getting one kit a month and it's like 120 kits. So if you do the math, it's like two years of right. ordering and, and building this thing. But um, from what I've seen online of other people who have completed this project and put it together, it looks fantastic. Right. So it's up to you as to whether or not you feel like it's worth it. But right. you can just go online, go on YouTube. There's plenty of people who not only will show you what it looks like fully put together, but also their step-by-step -step process on doing it, problem-solving some issues that will come up when you're trying to put certain kits together and things like right. that. Um, you know, So there's a lot of extra help in addition to the, the schematics that they send with you when, you when you're doing it. But, right. uh, yeah, I, there was one video, man, the, the guy did it perfect. I mean, he had the lights, he had, he had his own additional like run up lights. He had the music and everything else. And it was just a nice cinematic, you know, kind of like a flyby of his build of the enterprise. And I mean, it was, it was beautiful. It was yeah. just absolutely, he even had the stand and everything else that you can mount it on to hold it up. And I was <laughs> like, I mean, it's like it was at the shipyard. Right. I was like, Eagle Moss <laughs> needs to contact that guy because they, I mean, let him show you his video and yeah. more people will probably do it because it is, it looks pretty good. Now, I don't know if this is true, but I heard that they may be doing something similar for the Space Nine space station. Right. Uh, a, a kit build of the station. I don't know how that would work. It would right. objectively be massive no matter what. Right. But right. um, it certainly yeah. couldn't be life size with the Enterprise, though. Cause yeah, no, it couldn't. There's no way they could make that work because that basically would be something that you would build in your backyard. Yeah. In order yeah. for the sizes to match so that the Enterprise could look like it was docked at Deep Space Nine. Yeah. That thing would. Okay, so the Enterprise is going to be two feet. That thing would have to be at least 20. seven. Seven? Uh, I guess the at Enterprise least... did look pretty big next to the. Yeah. Station. Okay. Yeah. yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I guess that's a ship from this episode. Yeah. Would have been more like 20. 
they were. The so, so yeah, it's um, but that's a rumor. I'm not saying go to Eagle Moss and start hounding them. When you're going to get your DS9 kits? It's a rumor. Um, I don't know if they're going to do that or not. But um, before we close out, some things that aren't rumors. Um, Next Generation leaves Netflix April 2nd. So if you don't have oh, a man. Paramount Plus subscription by April 2nd, you will not be able to By the time this episode drops, it. it will be off Netflix. Actually, uh... Right? No. Would... You will have one day left. When this episode, <laughs> so so when this episode comes out tomorrow will be the last day. Actually, no, right. tomorrow will be the day that it's gone. So right. effective this today, this is not an April Fool's prank. This, this is, is not yes, April Fool's. Please prank. understand, this is not an April Fool's prank. It is not an April Fool's prank. I've tried to get you guys, you know, alerted to this before then. Uh, right. But no, it is not an April Fool's prank. Today is the last day. Today is. It's the last night binge. that you binge, can binge baby, watch binge. Next Generation. Because <laughs> on April 2nd, when you wake up Saturday morning, it will not be there. So right. um, I hope you're prepared. And just, yep. go ahead, just go ahead and get a Paramount Plus subscription. All of the other treks are there, plus all the new ones. Discovery just wrapped up a fantastic, fantastic fourth season. Man, did their fourth season just impress the hell out of me. Um, especially How many episodes the episodes was it? It was it sounds only like it thir- was just yesterday. Right. It was only 13. It was 13 episodes. Really? It sounds yes. like just yesterday they were just starting. Were they doing like two episodes a day or a week? Or? No, they did. So I think that you're, you remember <gasps> me getting excited about the show's return because they took the right. mid-season break. Oh, And so right. then they came back right. and they finished it out with the last – yeah, basically the last three, four episodes. So, gotcha. yeah. Okay, got and it. Then, yeah. um, it was only a week ago, or like yeah. a month ago. Yeah. You were telling me how great it was that Picard and Discovery were coming out the same yeah. night. Excuse me. So now Picard, um, by the time that this episode airs, we will have seen the fourth episode of uh, the new Picard series. And also, um, the new Halo series will premiere will have premiered. So a lot of interesting things that we get to watch on Paramount Plus in addition to Star Trek. So get your subscription. Go ahead and do it now. I'm really considering canceling Netflix. I think I will just keep it until Deep Space Nine uh, goes away. And then once that's gone, I'm probably not going to have Netflix anymore. There's nothing on there that I really want to watch anyway. You're basically communicating to Netflix that it was for Star Trek that you had their subscription. I mean, honestly, (laughs) yeah. I mean, anything else that they have on there that I've wanted to watch, I either already own or can find on other platforms. And if I'm already paying for the other platforms, I might as well just use them. I'm telling you, I'm waiting for Stranger Things Season 4, but I I just haven't heard anything. So, Get on on your uh, friends, man. Do a deep dive. Get that taken care of. Yeah. Well, guys, I think that's going to be it for us tonight. As yeah. always, you can catch us on all of the social medias, tw- uh, Twitter and Facebook primarily. Uh, we are the Fire Caves, a Star Trek Deep Space Nine podcast. Just do a search for the Fire Caves and you'll find us. You should follow us and talk to us because we love talking to people whenever you pop up. So do so. Um, other than that, I'm Perry and you guys have a good one. Take care of yourselves. Thanks, guys. 